everybody. Welcome to the Shoe Podcast. My name is Shoe, and uh, I don't know. Welcome to 2019, everyone. It's 2019. I must confess, one thing I do constantly. Um, I mean, it's only the fourth episode of the podcast, so I'll probably get used to it. But in the beginning, I just keep re-recording and re-recording and re-recording the first minute because I'm just I get so uh, neurotic about it. I, I'm, I'm for some reason perfectionist about the first few seconds of the recording. So whatever you heard, that was like the good take. You know, <laughs> that was as good as it got. Um, I'm realizing that's something I need to you know, work on or something to just be okay with everything as it is. Yeah. So how do you feel now that you're in a 2019? I think the whole, yeah, the whole world is in 2019 at this point, because it's January 3rd for me. Um, does it feel any different? If you do feel different, you got to thank the Gr- the Gregorian calendar and, uh, and Gregory for you know, bringing that, putting that arbitrary line there between time and, you know, in time and then making you feel like changed and all like excited. Um, I do realize like, I had to, to, there's such a, to a huge degree, the Gregorian calendar shapes my behavior. You know what I mean? Not just on like a day by day basis, but I mean, just like I get Christmassy when it's Christmas. Like I don't really believe in Jesus and shit, but the, because it's kind of, we put a tw- December 25th, we kind of gave it some meaning and now I get kind of excited. It's like, oh shit, it's, it's Christmas. Holy shit. I, I don't know why, but it's like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, It's very holy shit. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Now that it's 2019, I really, I feel like I, I should have some fresh stuff to talk about. I really don't have anything to talk about. Um, actually, off the top of my head, I am starting to develop a bit of a crush on this girl. Um, if you're cringing, you are a normal human being and may exit this podcast right now. Because it's about to get cringier. Or I don't know. Is it? It's basically, yeah, I'm, I'm developing something of a crush on this person who she's. Uh, I've only met her twice, right? So it's what this crush is founded on is it's really not about her as much as it is about me, right? And my projections of whatever I think she is onto this person. And I'm really in love with my idea of who she is rather than who she actually is. No, I mean, I just have expectations and ideas about what she is and what she embodies and what she represents and the things that I could gain from it, the happiness I could experience. So it's really just, you know, I'm jerking off to myself, right? Um, But uh, yeah, it's just, it just feels good to get this crushy feeling, you know? Um, Yes, I don't know. That's, that's, That's as much news as I have is there anything interesting to talk there's not I mean there's not, I barely know this person so I can't really go into that it just feels good to feel that sweet rush 
of infatuation, but that is also, you know, I can already feel the pull, right? And anxiety and all the suffering that attachment brings along with it. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you got to let yourself feel it, but also don't get so caught up in it. Whatever, that's kind of um, a little bit related to what we be we be talking about today, which is on game theory. Game theory. Uh, I don't know much about game theory at all. It's one of those things I, I've always been kind of interested in, but I just never was so motivated to learn more about it. But now I kind of, uh, a couple of days ago, I read a book on game theory, or at least one person's take on game theory, right? Game theory, by the way, being, you know, kind of viewing life or the way, you know, society or the world works as a kind of game and seeing how the players move uh, based on what incentives, um, yeah, what kind of behavior they seem to exhibit, you know, uh, and how that can create problems when everyone's act- acting rationally or irrationally, you know, just seeing everything as a game and then observing the behavior of the players, essentially, right? Um I'm sorry, by the way, uh, about the sniffing. I'm still very, very sick. Um, Although I do feel better than last episode. So I read a book called Finite and Infinite Games by the philosopher, or he calls himself a religious scholar, even though he doesn't subscribe to any religion or doesn't believe in God. But he calls himself a religious scholar. His name is James Carse. And yeah, the book is Finite and Infinite Games. And the book, I'll just read you the first sentence uh, or or first little bit. Here's how it starts off. There are at least two kinds of games. One could be called finite, the other infinite. A finite game is played for the purpose of winning. An infinite game for the purpose of continuing the play. So that's kind of um, the core, really, of the book. It's there are basically two games in, in, in life or in the world. Two types of games. One's a finite game and one's the infinite game. And he basically starts, uh, that, that's really the core of the entire book and applies this concept, which we'll be getting into, but he applies this concept of the finite game and the infinite game to all sorts of spheres, to fucking everything. He goes to like shit like war, um, the environment, you know, uh, what else did he go over? Some that's I'm fucking blanking right now. But he goes over a lot of different areas, right? Where it shows that, oh, this is kind of applicable to way more than just like how to play soccer, the nature of soccer. You know what I mean? Um, and as we'll see in today's podcast, we're gonna be zoning in on sexuality, how the finite game, infinite game paradigm um fits into sexuality, right? Um, simply because it was the part that most interested me. It was the most personal. Uh, part of the book the other stuff was more a little bit more sociological a little bit larger scale which is cool too but uh in terms of in my moment by moment you know daily existence how i'm feeling moment by moment and our you know relationships with other people because we're social creatures that's gonna kind of the stuff that's really gonna matter on a uh, more immediate kind of basis that that's it's sexuality and so it was the most interesting also he spends of all the topics he spends the most time on sexuality so interested in him too he was uh, a little horny so yeah um basically the, the, this, this whole podcast is going to be about this finite game infinite game paradigm right this specific view 
or variation on game theory and how it applies to human sexuality. So does that kind of, I hope that clears up what today's topic is going to be. Um, here's kind of the structure of the podcast, which is, uh, first I'm going to explain to you what finite games and infinite games are. Give me a sec, I'm just, my nose is so ruddy. Holy shit. It's ruddy as fuck. It's so runny it could beat Usain Bolt in a race. So, uh, yeah, we're going to start with finite games and infinite games. What are the differences between them, right? I'll give a definition of each and then look at the one similarity between the two and then look at the differences. And I'm going to use meditation as an example of meditation as a finite game, meditation as an infinite game to make things a little bit more um, concrete and clearer. Although I, I will say... Uh, the first part, this finite game, infinite game explanation part might be a little bit esoteric and like feel like, what the fuck am I listening to? But just bear with me. And then once you kind of get a general vague idea of what finite games and infinite games are, we'll then look at uh, sexuality Sexuality is played, uh, played as a finite game. That'll be the second part where we kind of view, uh, yeah, the dynamics. What goes on when sexuality is played as a finite game? And then the third part's going to be about sexuality, sexuality played as an infinite game. Okay, and so uh, th- there'll be in contrast between the two, clearly. And the final part will be kind of my personal reflection on some of these ideas and how uh, it kind of relates to my feelings about uh, human attraction and pickup, picking up girls, which is uh, something I was really obsessed about at one point. And uh, well, I have thoughts about it, so that'll be at the end. And it mirrors a lot of what we're going to talk about in this book. Um, but yeah, I also, you know, this book is one of those books that's very, uh, it's very short. It's like 170 pages or something like that. It's very short, uh, very uh, easy to read, yet very hard to read in that it's kind of, you know, everything's there. It's not flowery uh, language, no particularly difficult terminology. It's pretty simple, simply written. And it, it it's not, it's kind of a breeze to read in a way, but the content is actually pretty challenging because the simple, uh, what you call it, model paradigm of the finite structure, uh, finite game, infinite game, uh, really goes on and becomes uh, a little bit complex as it's applied to different areas in life. And uh, you see, oh, okay, this goes like that, that goes like that. It just becomes a whole thing. So it's pretty difficult. to. Re- I'm definitely going to read it uh, a couple more times um, throughout the year because I really like the book. I didn't think I would feel this kind of passion for a game theory type book, but I do. It, it was it's really interesting. So um, yeah, maybe I'll do another podcast on this book once I reread it and... Um, yeah, maybe a different section of the book where he focuses on uh, the dynamics of war or something like that. But uh, this time we'll be talking about sexuality. And uh, but before we go into sexuality, let's start with the difference between finite games and infinite games. What exactly are they? And again, it'll sound a little bit esoteric, this first part. But just bear with me, just like kind of absorb whatever I say doesn't have to be super clear because I think it'll be a lot clearer uh, once I talk about sexuality. Okay. So, uh, finite games. Let's start with finite games. What what exactly are finite games? Uh, We'll go into uh, the differences to make clear what exactly finite games are. But finite games include shit like soccer, baseball, you know, board games, video games, the shit you 
pretty classically called games, right? Um, so it totally applies to things like that. But it also applies to things that are bigger. Like I said, for instance, as cars, the, the, the author of the book brings up war, shit like that, right? And there are tons and tons and tons, many, 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 many types of finite games. But there's only one infinite game. That game being, I don't know, existence or being, so to speak. I mean, you could say life, but it probably transcends life, if anything. It's existence, really. Um, so that's one core difference. But I hope that, 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 that I just want to note that right at the beginning, that finite games uh, includes shit like fucking soccer and shit, too. Um, okay. And uh, obviously things aren't clear yet. Let me just go through one similarity. The one thing that ties both finite games and infinite games, and then we'll go we'll uh, go through the differences using meditation as an example. And I think that'll make things a little bit clearer. Okay. So the one thing that ties both finite and infinite games, what makes them similar, is that the players choose to play. In both finite games and infinite games, the player chooses to play. If they have to play, if they if they have to, like they they must play. If they have to, they have no choice to. Then they're really not playing. It's not a game at all. In a game, the players choose to play. Now we have to add this, which is that sometimes we don't even realize that we have chosen to play. But that doesn't change the fact that we did in fact choose to play. For instance, like. And this is actually what uh, Sartre, right, the existentialist philosopher, would call bad faith. A lot of the time we dupe ourselves into thinking, oh, I didn't have a choice, though. We make ourselves think as uh, believe that we're not as free as we really are. When in fact, we are, we did have the choice. We do have the choice. A good example, I think, is, is this idea of, a, you know, like, no one forced you to, to be a lawyer, right? Yeah. You may feel like, fuck, uh, the circumstances, right? The external circumstances. I'm too poor for that. I have to do this. Or maybe, you know, my parents expect me to. Or people around me expect me to. I, I expect myself to. I have to do this. Or, you know, uh, this is the only way I have a sense of meaning in life. You know, I really have no choice but to do this. But really, you do. You chose to play the game. You chose to, you know, fucking buy a suit and go to law school. And play this lawyer game, right? That is abide by the rules and boundaries set up by the lawyer game and fucking go through all the obstacles and challenges and try to win that has become a lawyer, right? And a successful one at that. You ultimately chose. That's the kind of duping about how free we really are. Sartre was said, no, you're free. So you take responsibility for that. You chose to play this game. So yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the one similarity tying both finite games and infinite games. Everyone, every player chooses to play, even if they sometimes are not exactly aware of how, uh, whether they chose or not. Okay. So that's still, you know, it's still kind of vague, right? I only tied to, okay, yeah, the players choose to play in all these games. Let's get into the differences then. What makes a finite game different from an infinite game? And I think this will start to clarify things. And again, even if it doesn't, just absorb. And I think things will get clearer when we talk about sexuality. All right. In finite games, there are winners and losers, right? Remember the first uh, little bit I gave you from by James Cars? He says, the point of the finite game is to win. That's the goal. So in finite games, there are clearly going to be winners and losers. And there's generally only one winner in a finite game, maybe one person or one team, right? But even then, there's still a ranking. 
you can be higher in the ranking than another person, more of a winner uh, than another person in a finite game. Yeah. So they're winners and losers. In, in infinite games, no winners or losers. Just players. Just people who are there to play the game. No winning, no losing. That's not part of the, the whole thing. Okay, so that's one difference. And uh, I, I guess an example, I should give an example here. Which I'm going to use meditation. When meditation is played as a finite game, you want to win. That is to say, maybe you want to be as in the moment as you can, you know, uh, stay on your breath, with, uh, focus on your breath as long as you can without getting lost in thought. Uh, not get lost in thought as much as you can, you know, uh, meditate as long as you can, as frequently as you can. Uh, stack up those uh, meditation hours, you know what I mean? Whatever uh, the criteria is, you want to be the best at that. You want to win, essentially, or be as high in the rankings as possible. I've meditated five more hours than that dude. I'm way better at meditating than that dude. You know, I, I can focus on my breath for like, you know, 30 minutes. That guy can only go for two seconds. There's a goal of winning when meditation plays a finite game. When it's an infinite game, no winning, no losing, right? There's just, you just meditate for however long. And, you know, as focused or not focused as you are on the breath or whatever, you, the, your sensations or whatever contents of consciousness emerge, right? It's just, you're just meditating. You're just there to play. Okay, so that's one difference. Difference number two. In finite games, there's a clear beginning and a clear end, right? And the end is when somebody's won that game, usually. Um, in infinite games, no beginning, no end, or at least no clear beginning or end. Right. In fact, the only purpose of the infinite game, as James Carr says, is to prevent the game from coming to an end. And I think this is pretty clear with meditation. You know, when meditation is played as a finite game, it's fucking, let's say, the formal. That's why there's this idea of formal meditation, right? Oh, formal meditation. I sat and focused on the breath for 30 minutes. Clear beginning and end. Whereas when meditation is done as an infinite game, no real clear beginning or end you kind of medit you know the idea is you can meditate at any moment right uh tin Nhat han the uh guy who's kind of helped spread mindfulness uh to the west uh in an interview with oprah she asked him do you meditate every day and he was like i meditate every moment which is <laughs> intense but uh also the the idea is that you it's not about okay so i'm meditating from uh, one o'clock to one thirty, and that's my meditation session for the day check it off the it's just you can meditate in any moment right no clear start finish point okay so that's another difference uh now let's go to a different difference number three finite games have rules and boundaries Whereas infinite games have no such rules and boundaries, right? In finite games, there are rules that, you know, are kind of limitations on the player, right? Like you think about soccer, there are rules, right? I mean, you're, there's freedom to choose and to move and all that stuff within the game, but there are certain rules that everybody agrees on, right? And uh, because these players essentially chose to play, as we uh, referred to earlier, that's the one similarity between finite games and infinite games. These are self-imposed limitations, okay? Infinite games... That's not the case. There are no 
rigid rules boundary. They're constantly changing and evolving so that really no one wins the game or, or ends the game, right? The James Cars puts it as finite players play within boundaries. Infinite players play with boundaries. And with meditation, I think it's especially uh, something like the rules and boundaries would be something like, you know, uh, you can't uh, open your eyes. You gotta stay on your breath for uh, this and this and this long. You know, there, there are certain ideas or, uh, you know, there's a structure that must be followed, right? But when it's played as an infinite game, no. No rules. Whatever happens during the meditation is is the part of the meditation. That's it. No real rules to, to follow there. No boundaries. In fact, seeing through our arbitrary constructs and boundaries would be a key part of meditation, right? And 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 the idea that you have to realize that is also maybe a you know another rule we impose on ourselves. That once we meditate, we go, oh, that's that's another that's just a construct. I feel like I got a little too heady right now. Uh, but you get the general idea. Finite games have rules and boundaries. Infinite games don't have them. They're changing, evolving. Okay, the goal of the finite players is to be the master player, the victor, right? The best at the game. There's someone who is so skilled at the game, she can play as if she already knows the outcome. The element of surprise is minimized. Like, think about a really good soccer player. They can just fucking, right? Whatever inputs... Here, like the players situated here, or her opponent situated here, or you know the goalkeeper's there. Like she can, you know, digest all that input and go. So we got to do this, and minimizes this uncertainty or surprise. She can. She's so good at the game that she can pretty much predict what's going to happen, and minimize the surprise element, right? And shoot the goal when the goalkeeper's here. You can shoot the goal there. On the other hand, infinite game, uh, infinite players. I mean, they, they can play finite games. Infinite players can play finite games. It doesn't really go uh, the reverse. You know, you, there can be in, finite games within an infinite game, whereas there can't be an infinite game within a finite game, um, especially because it's that infinite game, there's only one and it's called existence. But and the point is, infinite games, uh, players can play infinite games, but they don't aim to be a master player. They don't take the game so seriously, right? They just It's just a game. They're just playing. This is a, a, clearly a big thing with meditation, right? Whereas a lot of the time, we want to be the best meditator. We want to fucking be the most, uh, you know, accumulate the most uh, spiritual enlightenment and be most in the moment or have realized all the shit, you know, gone through Satori a billion times, right? The, the, be the super enlightened person, the master meditator. But in an infinite game, if you're doing meditation as an infinite game, you don't aim to be a master player. You just meditate, right? And yeah, sure, you can fucking, okay, okay, this time I'll, I'll try uh, loving kindness meditation. I'll try transcendental meditation. I'll try, uh, you know, whatever technique you think. I'll try focusing on what you want me to focus on. But no winning, no losing. You just try it, right? No goal to be the master player. Just meditating. Okay. And again, I mentioned this earlier, but one more core difference. Well, there are many, 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 many types of finite games. Only one infinite game. Existence. Being. 
All right, so I hope that, you know, kind of clears up what exactly is the difference between a finite game and infinite game. As I said before, maybe a little bit esoteric. It's kind of like, okay, uh, what? You know? Um, but just, you know, kind of let, let yourself absorb that. Um, and I think it'll get clearer as I start on sexuality. Played as a finite game and played as an infinite game. All right, so time to talk about sexuality as a finite game, first of all. Uh, yeah, that's right. Me, uh, uh, a 23-year-old version is about to talk about sexuality. As a, <laughs> I mean, just based on my wealth of experience, I thought I'd kind of talk about just explore sexuality uh, for you newbies out there. Yeah, just to tell you what it's like getting yourself out there. All right. Um, but yeah, seriously, sexuality is a finite game. We're going to talk about that. Okay. So what is the goal of sexuality, of the sexual context, uh, contest or competition when it's played as a finite game? Well, basically two goals, which are one and the same, really, which is uh, the goal of the sexual contest is to, number one, defeat the other, and number two, have the defeated other. I have to say, my computer right now is kind of, uh, the fan's going hard because it's overheating. Yeah, it's, you know, it gets hot and heavy when we're talking about sex. Uh, yeah, sorry if you guys can hear that. But uh, yeah, the goal is number one, to defeat the other, and number two, have the defeated other. So what exactly do I mean? Um, in this case, well, I'm, for the most part, throughout, um, uh, as I explained, sexuality is a finite game. I'm going to be talking about a guy hating on a girl because I think it'll have, you know, it'll ring the most true as I talk about it. But really, you know, just think of it's just it doesn't really matter, right? Regardless of gender, sexuality when it's played as a finite game is played like this. This is how it works out, right? Okay. Um, so what do I mean by defeat the other and then have the defeated other? Well, so for instance, when a girl shows the master player, right? The master player of the finite game, um, disinterest, right? Or, or loathing, maybe even fear, right? He, you know, she becomes basically a, an opponent. The girl becomes an opponent that the master player must defeat, right? Defeat the other, the girl and her, whatever challenges, right? Defeat her disinterest, convert that into sexual interest, so to speak, right? That's kind of defeating her, defeating your opponent, and then having the defeated other. That is to say, she becomes the prize. And we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, think about I just the thought came up in my head, but even in romantic comedies, right? The uh, There's a protagonist and usually it's seen as if there's no antagonist, but really the antagonist is the romantic uh, interest, right? The, the other. They essentially act as the antagonist in the story. Uh, so even in movies, it kind of mirrors what goes on and, and uh, sexuality is a finite game, finite sexuality. Okay, yeah, so the idea is that, you know, when a girl displays, exhibits this disinterest uh, to the master player, that becomes not, you know, a refusal to participate in the sexual game, but it becomes a poor, co core part of the game, right? It becomes a challenge that must be overcome. The goal, then, in this finite sexuality is to defeat the girl, so to speak, right? I mean, of, of course, not to fucking, like, punch her like uh, she's Bowser and 
Mario Kart or something, or, or in you know Super Mario Brothers, but it, it, defeat the girl, is defeat her disinterest, change that to you know interest, and then quote unquote have her right. Uh, and that's where it's kind of uh, interesting. The interesting thing about sexuality when it's played as a finite game, uh, as James Carr says, he says sexuality is the only finite game in which the winner's prize is the defeated opponent. The horror of, of sexuality is, is a finite game is that people become property. Right? The seduced person, you know, the girl who's seduced by the master player, essentially becomes a trophy, right? A prize. That's why we have this whole concept of trophy wives, right? She's, she's like a public display of the player's triumph, right? His conquest, his victory in this finite game. So then the person who becomes the um, the defeated other, you know, the, the prize, the trophy, is thereby objectified, right? Reduced to a mere thing, emptied of whatever unique individuality they had as a human being, right? That's, that, that's the core of it, is that we turn human beings into almost like inanimate objects, shit you fucking show around. Now, I am using the example for the most part of, you know, the master player being a guy and then, you know, the girl kind of being the uh, the opponent, although she is also a player here, right, uh, in this game. Uh, and But her becoming kind of the, the victim, so to speak, being objectified, becoming a mere thing. But not necessarily, you know, unfair or one-sided, right? This can go both ways in the relationship, Right? Both partners can simultaneously be the winner and the loser uh, of the finite game. Right? They, they can be prizes to each other. Right? The guy going like, look, look at the, this hot bitch I picked up. And then the girl's like, dude, look at the, you know, the dick on this dude. And, and both of them are essentially simultaneously the winner and the loser of the finite game they're playing. Right? Public records of each, each other's triumph in this finite game. Right, and we can see a lot of this in, uh, you know, the kind of exhibitionism, so to speak, uh, in hookup culture. This isn't a condemnation of hookup culture, of course, but a lot of relationships. It's about, you know, parading the person that you've you're able to uh, convince to sleep with you. Right? It's like, dude, look at who I hooked up with last night. Right? It's a trophy. In fact, I'm saying it right now. It's a trophy. Um, yeah, and, and then the weird thing is that sexuality actually, at least according to James Carr, is the only finite game in which people become property, right? Even with shit like slavery, the ultimate prize was the fruits produced, the fruits of the slave's labor, right? Not the slaves themselves. That wasn't really the prize of a slave. It was having the shit that the slaves did. That was the real, you know, uh, end goal, the prize, the winning of the slave game for the masters, right? Sexuality, the only one where we render people into things as prizes for uh, your triumph in the game. As James Garst puts it, finite sexuality is a form of theater in which the distance between persons is regularly reduced to zero, but in which neither 
really touches the other. This is to say, you know, you, you can, in sex, it's like the most intimate thing, right? It's fucking, the person's inside of you, you're inside of the person, it's the, you cannot be any closer, really. And yet, because it's all just a game, you're just seeing this person as a mere thing, a body. Something to, you know, a, a prize. You're really not touching each other's, let's say, hearts or souls. Or any in any way that's really meaningful or substantial. What I'm saying here is that um, because the prize of the finite game is the loser, right? There's not a thing, a person who is treated as a thing, but a person. The property you win in sexuality is a finite game is actually the most desirable form of property, right? They're not only a thing, but basically the best thing you can own. It's, as James Cars puts it, the publicly acknowledged possession of another person, a relationship to which the possessed must, of course, freely consent. That is to say, you know, it's like, you see this hot bitch right here? She wants me. She wants my D. Like, by choice. She, she's down for, for this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you might say, like, yeah, what about, like, diamonds and shit? Right, fine, yeah, there's a lot of, like, diamonds have a lot of monetary value, sure. But for the most of us, between the mutually exclusive choice of, like, a diamond and a hot guy or girl, probably go for the hot guy or girl. And, you know, replace it with whatever thing of high monetary value. Maybe you'll find exceptions. Maybe you don't even disagree uh, with my thing of the, the diamond. Fine. Even then, we can. I think at least we can all agree that being able to display your partner, right, your sexual partner, or even your boyfriend girlfriend as this like hot dude with fucking muscles everywhere, or hot girl with big tits, big ass, is it's very desirable. It brings you way up in social status. You're a winner of the finite game, finite sexuality. Okay, uh, a few more things to go on to about finite sexuality as a finite game before we go to infinite sexuality. Um, but I think things are starting to become a little clearer, yeah, as to the nature of sexuality when it's played as a finite game. Okay, so another part of sexuality is a finite game. Deception. Now, deception kind of has a uh, really, uh, you know, a bit, bit of negative connotation, and it, it, rightly so. But uh, the idea is that you're putting yourself under a veil, right? Kind of masking yourself in finite sexuality rather than revealing your whatever authentic, ever-changing self as it is in each and every moment. I mean, usually, for instance, sexual desires, not explicitly mentioned, right? In fact, it's kind of weird to be like, so do you, uh, you want to come over to my apartment and have sex right now? Because I'm really horny for you. Now, usually it's kind of like, so I have a really cool goldfish if you want to come over to my place and check it out. Right? It's kind of, you You kind of dance around the topic. You're not really supposed to explicitly mention it. Right? Sexuality is a finite game. A series of 
cues, gestures, signs, feints that you're kind of supposed to be like, you're supposed to be able to pick up on, right? Like the master player's seductions, always very staged, scripted, right? It's like soccer where, you know, you know, um, you're trying to reduce that element of surprise and be able to create, you know, know exactly what to do when whatever challenge is brought to you, right? So if fucking girl says challenge A, like I remember when I was uh, watching the uh, YouTube uh, pickup artist, Simple Pickup, they'd say you know, shit test. Sometimes the girl's going to shit test you, right? Uh, kind of challenge you. I don't know, like... Uh, what do you do? You pick up girls all the time, or I mean, she, she might challenge you like that, right? If that challenge comes, you have to have the right thing to say for this particular girl, you know, um, able to fucking work your way through all of it. None of it's about revealing yourself as you are necessarily. It, it's it's just about un unless it helps you win the game, right? But really, it's just saying the right thing at the right time, express doing all these things that will help you get higher in ranking in the game of finite sexuality. It's staged. It's scripted. It's knowing what to do in each and every moment rather than necessarily letting yourself just be. Another thing to note here. At the heart of finite sexuality, power. It lies power. The master player in the game of finite sexuality very powerful. In fact, finite games in general are, you know, they revolve around power. Your ability to seduce women, your attractiveness to women definitely brings you up uh, in the social hierarchy, right? It's a sign of uh, your uh, high social status, right? People may defer to you, you know, guys will respect you, be like, damn, you, you pulled that off? They'll view you in a completely different light. In fact, the only people who won't really care about how many bitches you fucked, right, <laughs> are the people who aren't even really participating in that finite game in the first place, right? The people who, who just, it's just, I don't really care about this game of seduction or hookup or whatever. I decided, cool, man. You know? And the tragedy of power of this finite game is that it's a zero-sum game. Only a handful of people can be powerful because power really measured in units of comparison, right? How much resistance can I overcome compared to other players? Like, that's the core question uh, of power, uh, according to James Cars. How much resistance can I overcome compared to other players? How good am I at this game compared to everybody else? That's why there's a ranking. That's why there's winning and losing. Like, if everyone's powerful, no one is. So it's inevitably, on some level, a zero-sum game. Uh, like, one thing to note here, as I mentioned, I was a big fan of the YouTuber Simple Pickup, and they never revealed how many women they've ever, they'd ever uh, slept with. Why? Well, you know, on the one hand, one fun thing is it's kind of douchey. But also... I think it's because such a, you know, revealing that kind of shit would solidify their position in the power hierarchy within, you know, whatever, the pickup community or, you know, maybe even broader than that, right? And that position may be lower than the image they're projecting. If they say that number, 
It's, oh, they've only conquered this many obstacles. Oh, I, I've done more than that. Or that's not as much as I thought. Fuck. Not that powerful. So better to just project that vague image of I'm a womanizer. No? Um, yeah. Obviously, just because, you know, if everybody's powerful, nobody is. That kind of sounds like that line from The Incredibles and the villain says it, right? Clearly, I'm not uh, arguing for a kind of communist egalitarianism, right? But, but it is a warning. This whole thing about power is a warning of the dangers of pegging your self-worth, your self-esteem, your identity, your happiness to the amount of influence or power you wield. One more thing about finite sexuality. Finite seductions, they come to an end, right? Finite games, they have a clear beginning, clear end. Once you've conquered the other, right? That is, you slept with the hot chick or dude. It's done. You win. Or or she wins. Or whatever. Done. Game over. I mean, it could also... The game could also uh, be over because she rejected you and so you lost that game. But, but the point is that even if you win, that's it. Yeah, you won. But if you want to be the master player... You're going to have to approach another hot girl and start another finite game and keep going on and on and on and on and rack up enough, I don't know, uh, conquests, triumphs in order to be the, the highest ranking, you know, uh, player, the master player. Right. No, no, no uh, coincidence that the one of the most popular books on pickup on Pick Up Women is called The Game. This is to say, once you win, as James Cars puts it, all that remains is a recollection, the memory of a moment, and perhaps a longing for its repetition. But the thing is, seductions cannot be repeated. That's why a lot of the time when you, you know, especially in college, you know, everyone's hooking up with everybody. But you hear people say, and I'm saying you hear people say because I don't have personal experience with it, but you hear people say that they, when it's all over, that you feel kind of empty. And you want it to go on, but that's it. It's kind of over. So that's finite sexuality. Sexuality played as a finite game. And I think at this point, you can tell. Not the best way to play uh, the game of sexuality, I guess. This is not to condemn finite sexuality. No, no, no. Infinite players can play finite uh, games. But the idea is that if you take it so seriously that your whole life revolves around it, your self-worth, your feeling about yourself is tied to how good you are at this game, Right? How, you know, being the master player in whatever game becomes your, like, through line, your life goal. That's a problem. So now let's look at sexuality as an infinite game. Infinite sexuality. And see how that contrasts um, or juxtaposes next to finite sexuality. Okay. So sexuality as an infinite game. 
First of all, infinite players, no interest in seduction, or at least seduction as a kind of conquest, right? As a game to be won. In infant sexuality, there's just two people, or actually however many people, right? There's no rules or boundaries here. So whatever the relationship looks like, that's what it looks like. But let's just say for now, two people, right? There's just two people allowing each other to be as they are. They open themselves up fully to each other, learning about each other and themselves in the process, right? By fusing with each other in infinite sexuality, the lovers become more whole. To create, you know, creating a more holistic picture of who you are. Now, I, I, I realize as I'm reading this, I mean, I, I just wrote that and, and it's, it's just, it's very like fluff. Um, but <laughs> we'll keep explaining and hopefully it becomes clear. There's just say there's no inherent goal underlying infinite sexuality, right? The idea is just to have sex, just just to have sex, right? There's no success or failure, no winning or losing like there is in finite sexuality, right? The goal isn't to fucking win prizes or get the hottest girl or display your sexual prowess to the world or to her or to impress the girl you're sleeping with and the hotter the better or, you know, even to really like come yourself, even for you to have an orgasm. No winning or losing, no success, no ultimate goal. You just fuck. In infinite sexuality, you can never say that you're heterosexual or homosexual or celibate or adulterous or faithful or any of these labels and shit because they're all fucking boundaries, right? All all fucking self-imposed limitations. And when you strip yourself of all these rigid preconceptions about what a relationship is supposed to look like, what this sexual relationship or whatever, what, what sex is supposed to look like, what it has to be, then you don't allow it to be real, genuine, authentic, whatever it is. This is a, unlike finite sexuality, no rules. The boundaries and rules are open to change, right? Um, based on whatever state the relationship between you two is in in that moment. Okay. Now let's go into a little bit more of the contrasts between, you know, finite sexuality and infinite sexuality. Okay, so while finite sexuality often involves deception, or masking yourself, right? We, we've established that a lot of the time, it's just not about showing yourself as you are in each moment. It's about being staged, scripted, saying the right thing at the right time, um, overcoming whatever obstacles are presented to you, minimizing that element of uncertainty or surprise. In infinite sexuality, though, nothing hidden. It's all out there. Sexual desire is exposed as sexual desire. So there's no dancing around the topic, no treating the issue with kid gloves. It's fucking, it's there. I'm horny, you're horny. You both open up to each other as you are. Right? The, the con- contrast here that I'm getting at is that in, infinite, uh, in finite sexuality, it's about how well you can pretend, so to speak, right? How good you are at the game. How you can say what the right thing at what right time and project the image that um, will best help you get laid in that moment, right? It's how well you can pretend. But in infinite sexuality, you just simply no longer pretend. 
Another big difference. While finite sexuality has an end goal, and therefore some kind of end, no end to infinite sexuality. The act of sex isn't this like, you know, grand achievement or a part of a prize, right? Or the goal you're supposed to fucking race towards and overcome obstacles until you reach and done, you finally scored. No, it's just a component of an evolving relationship between the two of you. And as such, bad sex, awkward sex, it happens, but not a failure, not a loss. Just another part of your sexual relationship. Just something that happened. Most importantly, in infinite sexuality, the partner isn't seen as a prize, as an object to be displayed, but as the person she actually is, stripped of all her theatrical masks, so to speak, right? I think there's a really good quote by James Carr's here, which is, in finite sexuality, I expect to relate to you as a body. In infinite sexuality, I expect to relate to you in your body. Right? And with, with infinite sexuality, it's, it's not your naked body that you're really exposing, right? I mean, you do get naked, so to, I'm presuming at least, but not really your body that you expose to the other person. It's your naked being, your bare soul, right? Everything that you are in that moment, moment warts and all. When two people meet in infinite sexuality, they just emerge as the people they really are. You know, I respond to you from the core of my being, right? From my authentic self. And you respond, likewise, from the core of your being. And in the process of uh, infinite sexuality, the, this um, uh, physical uh, process, I guess, we're both changed, transformed, made more whole, in a way, healed. Right? Infinite sexuality is part and parcel of our being, of existence, of growth, of life as it's lived. That's why I say, in, you know, as James Cars points out, only one infinite game, that game being being. And sexuality and being, it becomes two sides of the same coin. It's just one more part of existence. Now again, my point here, not to condemn finite sexuality, right? No, no, no. It's, go for it. Play the game. I should play the game. You know what I mean? My anxiety has held me back from doing these things, but this is, it's, it's all good. Hookup culture, all well and good. I'm not saying fucking uh, super trashy, unethical, you fucking like, you know, infidels. I don't care. It's, do it. I encourage it. But the point is that that's not all there is, right? Play the game, but don't take it so seriously because there are so many depths to sexuality that can be plummeted. From my experience, at least. Um, <laughs> but I think that's that's fair to say, right? Depths that most of us miss because we're too focused on the shit that doesn't really matter. In fact, that's part partially why I haven't probably uh, launched myself fully into the s s streams of, of sexuality. Uh, 
Yeah, but I think, uh, at least when I read this finite, infinite sexuality shit, it spoke to me. It spoke to this 23-year-old version. It hit me. (laughs) And I think, in particular, I can relate it to my experiences um, with picking up women. With pickup. So yeah, this will kind of be the last little part of... um, this podcast, just a little, a bit of my, me re- relating all the shit I said to uh, my life a little. Um, and yeah, so, so I, there was a time when I was, well, for most of my, you know, uh, pubescent young adult life, I guess, I'm, I guess maybe in some ways I'm still a young adult. Emotionally, I'm a young adult. I'm, I would consider myself a man child but still um yeah for years and years and years just uh, from maybe like high school all the way until like late college i just i wanted to pick up girls i wanted to make the miracle of like talking to a gorgeous girl on the streets and then having her sleep with me like this fucking miraculous thing into a, just a daily part of my life right and the crazy thing about pickup right, uh, about picking up women, was that it was actually very possible that no matter how you looked, whatever shit, you know, physically, um, uh, you know, your, whatever place you were in in the genetic lottery, you could do it as long as you said the right things at the right time. That is to say, if you projected confidence and, you know, had more experience and all, all this shit, right? It, it was essentially, if you learn to play the finite game well, you will become a winner. But I was too anxious to do that for the most part. And so I never really actually went out and actualized those uh, hopes and dreams, right? It was just kind of, oh, why can't I do it? Why can't I just talk to women? It's so simple. Just fucking go up and say hi to her, but I can't. Until like three years ago, or maybe four years, something like that. Uh, with a friend, I finally started to approach random women on the street, you know, and tell them they're cute. And then, you know, after some talking about whatever, uh, ask them for the number. And I did this almost every day for not not, not that long, really. It was like uh, like half a year. Really not that long, right? Um, but during that time, I felt incredibly happy because I was fucking actualizing this, this. I was finally, I was at the fucking bottom of the finite game ranking, right? And I was finally starting to climb up it and doing this thing I'd always wanted to do. Now, you know, I was still very like, I mean, I only did it for a half year. So clearly I was very... Uh, didn't super, super, super go deep into it. I was very hesitant about, you know, st- texting women. I get their number, but I'd be hesitant about texting them, uh, let alone going on a date and seeing them again. There was so much anxiety there. Um, but still, I managed to go on a couple dates. And even, uh, I hope this doesn't sound cocky or like I'm boasting, but I was able to even bring a girl uh, to my place, right? Um, and... But the, the, the thing is that, I, I don't know if I should mention this. I've written this. You know what? I'll just mention it. Whether you find it cock or not, let's just mention it. Like, I, I didn't have sex with that girl, but, uh, uh, you know, because of cause my ED. Um, <laughs> but it was like a miracle that this cute girl was even in my bed next to me, right? Um, eventually, though, 
I stopped. I stopped doing pickup. Why? Because I felt like this whole time, as happy as I had been, I was really faking the confidence. This is a, I never really revealed how anxious I was feeling. Or if I did, I always tried to undergird my, you know, confession of being nervous with like a projecting this confident attitude like yeah i'm so nervous right now you know <laughs> i'm clearly trying to show how confident i am i'm so confident i can even admit to how nervous i am you know what i mean it, it, there was a lot of just putting up this mask of confidence or masculinity and trying to project it and never really let my uh, awkward gawky effeminate self ever come out right like, I was always thinking of what to say to what the girl said, saying the right thing. If I, you know, if I got rejected, you weren't supposed to take it personally, but, but it was still like you might be doing something wrong, so to speak, right? You might be doing something that's causing you to lose. Yeah, my self-worth was totally attached to, to how many girls said yes to me and how hot the girls who said yes to me were, right? Um, yeah, the, the, the point here is that throughout this whole process trying to play the finite game of sexuality never really gave me a chance to just, I talked to tons of girls, but never really had the chance to just speak, really speak to a girl one-on-one authentically, right? Letting me be my awkward, self-doubting, flawed self, right? These girls really never saw who I really was. And also I never really saw who these girls were. I mean, the nature of it is, you know, you can only talk for so long, so that's part of it. But still, you know, I, I never really cared about who these human beings were, right? I just saw them as, well, trophies, trophies. I didn't see them as the people they were. They were just reflections of my success in talking to women, you know, and the hotter, the better, right? They were supposed to be proof of like, oh shit, this is, I'm, I'm winning right now. They're like little things, images, that I can attach myself uh, esteem to, but it doesn't. Not much mattered about who they really were. Yeah, I was playing the game of finite sexuality, chasing this idealized self of being the master player, right? Wanting to win, or at least as get as high on the the hierarchy as possible. And that's a problem. Now, that doesn't make me hate pickup or picking up women. You know, I think the idea that pickup itself is is sexist or harassment, that's wrong. But, you know, in fact, I still hope to be able to do it whenever, you know, I'm generally attracted to somebody or feel like I want to talk to them, right? In fact, that's kind of a problem, I think, uh, especially in Japan here where people just don't really flirt, right? Uh, other than maybe... You'll sometimes see it in bars and shit, but for the most part, uh, Japanese guys and girls are very, very uh, reticent, you know, very shy, reserved, and don't want to put themselves out there and take that kind of risk. And that's important. Um, so yeah, it doesn't make me pick up itself. In fact, I encourage it. But the difference is how you relate to pickup, right? What kind of role pickup plays in your life? Is it a finite game or an infinite game? Right. The difference is that I hope I'll, I'll be allowed to, you know, allow myself to be whatever it is in that moment, rather than try to project this image or try to win this game. You know, I have to be like this because the goal is to get her number or have her say yes to me or, you know, reinforce, affirm me or, and my my ego. 
right? No fucking masks, no end goals, no winning, no losing, no fucking like, okay, and I have to say this and then that's going to help her get, you know, help me bring her home. No, none of it. Just me being whatever I am and then getting to see her as whatever she is, right? At least seeing her as just a fucking human being rather than, oh, a pretty girl. I mean, pretty girl's probably part of what she is, but way more than that, right? That is, I want to pick up, quote unquote, a girl, not as an effort at like seduction, you know, uh, this, this fucking conquest, this pickup game, but just one person talking to another person, just a conversation with an open-ended future, right? That's what pickup should really be. No, no victories, no losses, just a talk. And the hope that maybe, you know, we'll appreciate each other for whatever it is that we are. And if we don't click, totally okay. If you don't click with most people, totally okay. No losing. That doesn't mean you can't learn shit about yourself or figure out, oh, maybe I'm, you know, coming across in this way, some stuff, some stuff like that. Or maybe I'm saying things in a certain way. Like there's things like tact that are important. Also, the game of uh, finite sexuality itself, again, is not wrong. I think it's okay to fucking project this confidence, have a night where you want to, you know, kind of just fucking, uh, I don't know, get laid and et cetera, et cetera, uh, as long as the girl is presumably feeling the same way about uh, the, I don't know, the finite game, so to speak, right? But the idea is don't take it so seriously. It doesn't have to be the fucking ground from which your self-esteem and uh, your view of who you are uh, rests or, or stems from, right? So yeah, that's kind of, uh, it was a little bit messy um, as I'm reflecting on my reflections <laughs> on pickup. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Pickup itself is not the problem. In fact, I don't even find the finite game of sexuality to be a problem in itself. But it's how you play, how you relate to um, playing that game. Okay, so that's really uh, all I have to say. I guess it got a little bit longer, today's podcast. Uh, also... Probably not the most clearly articulated of all of them. Um, and I think a lot of it stems from the fact that, I mean, both these things are areas where I'm not super experienced, right? Sexuality, obviously. But I also don't have that much knowledge about game theory. I'm really just trying to articulate my understanding of this book that I read a couple days ago and that I was uh, pretty, um, you know, inspired by or felt contained a lot of truth. Yeah, so, you know... Well, whatever. I, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. It was at least a very interesting topic for me. And this whole finite game, infinite game uh, paradigm has had me kind of uh, reconsidering things and looking at things a little bit of a different way. So, uh, yeah, at, at the very least, maybe, maybe check out James Carr's the, the book. Just maybe look at it, the table content, see if you want to uh, read it or something. If not, that's totally cool, too. Um, I'm definitely going to reread it. Um, sooner or later, though, it seems like one of those things where the, every time you read it, you get a different, um, you get something different out of it, and that's really the, uh, I don't know, 
the mark of a good work of art, no? Okay, so that's pretty much it for me. I hope it was enjoyable. If not, I'll just rip my ball sack off. That's all I'll do. Okay, well, uh, have a good one. Enjoy the rest of 2019. <laughs> okay, I'll see you guys next week. Bye.